This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. BFM 89.9, 7.06 a.m. on Thursday, the 5th of January, 2023. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Shaoning, taking you all the way up to 10 a.m. this morning. But as always, let's kickstart the morning with a recap on how global markets closed overnight. Oh, it was definitely a much better day in the United States because the Dow was up 0.45%. S&P 500 up by 0.8%. Nasdaq was up by 0.7%. Meanwhile, in Asia, a bit of a mixed day. Nikkei was down 1.5%. Hang Seng was actually up by a whopping 3.2%. Shanghai flat because it was only up by 0.2%. Same for Straits Times Index, it was down 0.1%. And our very own FBM KLCI was down by 0.3%. So for some thoughts on where international markets could be heading, we have on the line with us Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence. Good morning, Tony, and a happy new year to you. Now, we're going to start off with what news is coming from the U.S. The minutes from December's FOMC meeting were released last night. Did they give any clues to the Fed's intent on rate hikes in the coming weeks? Oh, yeah, the Fed notes are clearly communicating that hopes for a rate cut or a pivot are uh, overenthusiastic. So the minutes, and this is a quote from the minutes, they say no participants anticipated that it would be appropriate to begin reducing the federal funds rate target in 2023. So there isn't a single one, even the doves who are on the Fed, are not thinking about uh, pulling back rates in 2023. So, you know, I think markets ended higher, but I think as that settles in, I think people are going to realize that we're going to see a bunch of uh, 25 basis point hikes going into uh, 23 uh, to make sure that inflation subsides. Okay, but Tony, help me understand what's happening with regards to the dollar because the the mm-hmm. FOMC minutes clearly were more hawkish, but yet the dollar mm-hmm. gave back half of Tuesday's gains. What's going on here? It's rather strange, isn't it? It is. I think, um, I think well, if, if you see... If, uh, Sorry to hesitate here. I think what's happening is there's there's treasury action that is reducing the dollar value. Um, I also think that um, we're not necessarily seeing the full impact hitting the dollar markets. Now, if you look at, say, DXY, that's mostly looking at the euro values, of course, mm-hmm. right? So we've seen the, the euro strengthen and the pound strengthen. Um, so... I think there is concern about China's opening slower that's also hitting the dollar um, because there have been hopes in the U.S. that a um, an accelerating China would help to strengthen, say, U.S. exports and, and economies around the world. So that could be hitting the dollar. There are other mechanics happening, but I think generally it's not necessarily the Fed that's hitting the dollar today um, because I think these are really just I guess, forward-looking expectations. Nobody really thought there would be a rate cut, say, in the next three months. People have really all been talking about it, say, in the six-month horizon or longer. So, and, and what you're seeing in dollar markets isn't necessarily reflecting Fed comments because it's kind of longer term. 
And let's take a look at some of the trends that have dominated 2022 and how that might play out this year. If we look at the Ukraine conflict, it caused massive supply shocks for agri and metal commodities when it began last February. What do you what's your outlook for those same commodities as the war drags on into 2023 with really no foreseeable end in sight? Yeah, if we look at, you know, um, if we assume, you know, no major ex- escalation, no major drought, those sorts of things. So a fairly status quo uh, war continuing. We do expect things like wheat to rise going into Q2. Um, we expect a 15 to 20% rise between now and, say, sometime in Q2. But we we don't expect wheat by the end of 23 to show really any rise. We, we expect a slight down uh, pricing in wheat by the end of the year. Um, industrial metals prices, because uh, of the China, well, the, the slower China open, um, and because um, of recession expectations across the West, there is uh, a feeling that industrial metals won't necessarily come back uh, in 23. So again, it's a fairly moderate outlook for industrial metals. Um, if central banks were to change their course, that would, of course, uh uh, change the industrial outlook and the consumer spending outlook. But as things uh, look now, they don't necessarily look, either industrial metals or ags don't necessarily look to accelerate as they did in, say, Q2, Q3 of 23. Okay, the other thing I want to look at is oil prices, because on a year-to-date basis, uh, if we look at Brent crude down 9%, uh, WTI is down 8%. That's quite a shocker considering it's, it's only uh, 5th of January. Can you help us understand what's driving this weakness? Yeah, again, there, been, there's been a lot of expectation that China opening rapidly would have an impact on things like jet fuel, on petrol, on crude oil. Um, And as we see that opening slow down because of rising COVID cases, um, there is fear that that demand side of the market won't necessarily come back. There have also been some pieces here in the U.S. come out over the last, say, few days talking about um, the demand expectations for crude uh, have been a little bit over-exaggerated. Uh, and today there was a prominent investor out saying that um, that he expects crude to fall pretty dramatically this year. So, you know, I think what we've seen over the last, say, six months, really, are expectations that going into 23, we would see a, you know, a shallow recession and we would see supply side factors that would push crude prices up. Um, I think right now you're seeing investors take another look at that and really question that hypothesis. A spike in oil prices would negatively affect a lot of oil importing countries in Asia, like Japan. With the Japanese currency already under severe pressure, would this be the last straw that breaks the yen's back? Well, I don't. I don't think so. No, I think you know our outlook at Complete Intelligence is for crude to hit about $100 by, say, April, uh, certainly in, in the second quarter. Um, I don't think 100 or, say, $130 crude would, uh, would hurt Japan. The BOJ and the finance ministry have plenty of resources to deal with 100 to $130 crude oil. If we were to, say, uh, see something like $300 oil, which would be extreme and very much outside of our view, um, that would stress not just Japan, but it would stress a lot of countries, not just in Asia, but across the world. 
But what's your outlook for the Japanese economy, though? Uh, you know, because if you look at them as a country, the the first time you've ever seen inflation rates rise, the Bank of Japan has taken a slightly more hawkish tone. So what's your outlook for their economy? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that move in Japan, uh, the slightly more hawkish tone was really more about preparing for the next uh, BOJ head instead of a dramatic policy change. Um, so there was a little bit of preparation for the next person so that they could, you know, maybe change the, the policy slightly hawkish if they wanted to. So in general for Japan, in terms of growth, you know, we see the first half around, you know, one and a half, one to one and a half percent. But uh, in the second half, we see it slowing slightly uh, to say just over 1%. So in general, looking at about a 1. 1.4, 1. 1.3, 1. 1.4% growth uh, in 23 in Japan. So um, it's not a stellar year, but it's not a terrible year either. Tony, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence, giving us his take on tr- some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks and for the year ahead, uh, covering things like the Fed interest rates, um, oil price trajectory, as well as the outlook for the economy in Japan. Yeah, so, well, the year started off quite rocky, especially for uh, oil, but I do keep hearing more and more and listen, look at the commodity space, especially when it comes to the metals, especially because China is reopening. But even on the year-to-date basis, metals, actually most of them are still down. The only ones that are up at the moment are nickel and gold, which is just up. Uh, nickel is up 3.5%, while gold is up 1.6%. So if we take a look at some of the other headlines that have caught our eye this morning, I see that Salesforce uh, is uh, planning to cut jobs by 10% and close some offices after rapid pandemic hiring left it with a bloated workforce amid an economic slowdown. Basically, they hired too many people um, and now they need to cut uh, jobs in order to, I guess, maintain their bottom line. Okay, so let's remind everybody what is Salesforce. They're a cloud-based software company. They were one of the winners during the pandemic. It was definitely a work-from-home kind of champion. Uh, But since then, their share price has come under a lot of pressure. And I think the question is, you know, this type of company, were they too aggressive when times were good? And the answer is yes. But it looks like they weren't the only ones, right? Because Amazon also did that. There's now job-free. There's no more hiring when it comes to Microsoft. Uh, It's the same at Meta. So I think all these technology companies are kind of looking ahead and saying, hey, the outlook isn't so positive. So the one thing we can control is our cost. And in US, actually, firing people is extremely easy. There's hardly any legislation or protection. So that's what they're doing. And a question I think everyone's asking is, when will these job cuts start to affect the unemployment rate in the US? And and that's when, when we start to see the unemployment rate go up, inflation go down. I think that's sort of where the Fed will then maybe start to look at uh, what, reducing its rate hikes or starting yeah. to cut interest rates again? But the point is, there's always a lag effect, right? And the question is, how long is this lag effect? And then by then, would have would the Fed have been overly hawkish? Would it have actually raised rates by so much that it has paralysed the economy? So that's, I think, the challenge that the Fed is facing at this moment. Indeed, indeed. All right, 7.17 in the morning. We're going to head into some messages. And when we come back, we'll continue looking at the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. 
The World Market Watch is brought to you by CIMB Preferred. Moving forward with you. Visit cimbpreferred.com.my for their preferential services beyond banking. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.